is the Thursday episode of High Motor by BetMGM. Andrew Dowdy and Chase Kitty from BetMGM with another college football preview episode today. We open with the ACC on Monday. We're going to the Big Ten today. But as I first noted on that ACC episode, we were anticipating opening this episode. And this is something we talked about all summer. We didn't really talk about Aaron Rodgers all that much, at least compared to everybody else. But we knew that whenever he did or did not come back, we were going to have to talk about it because obviously the odds would move. And knowing that on Monday we mentioned that we're going to have some notes as NFL camps open, whether or not Aaron Rodgers reported, we knew that numbers were going to move. So for the Super Bowl, uh, NFC title, NFC North, because a lot of these numbers weren't even available. They took down win totals right away. Uh, They didn't even put up week one odds right away. They took those down. So the ones that have been up, Super Bowl before he reported, plus 1,600. After he reported, plus 1,200. NFC title before he reported, 800. After, plus 550. And NFC North before was minus 120. After, minus 165. I actually got the Packers on... Either Monday night or Tuesday night at plus 150 to win the North. I'm shocked that the Super Bowl number didn't climb more. I was expecting in the plus 800, 900 range, but clearly the public isn't aboard that train yet. And for the last three months, we've been just basically saying, if you believe Rodgers is coming back, take these numbers now. Whatever is available for the Packers, if you think he's coming back, take these numbers because they're not going to get any better for you. They're, they're going to move, and... I'm curious, like, where do you sit now? After the numbers have moved, do you think that most of the value has been sucked out now that we know he is playing this season? Uh, I want to I wanna wait a couple more days before I really, like, make a judgment call on that. I think there's probably still value there just because there's no risk now. You know he's back. Uh, and oftentimes, like, having a possibility that you believe strongly in is still not as good as having a certainty that's right in front of you. So I think there's that component of it. I honestly, to be totally transparent here, I've been less focused on the odds this week since since it was official that he was coming back and more just the interesting juxtaposition of getting to take a big W on, hey, I had it this whole time. Rodgers was coming back. That's how I felt and I was right. And then having to take a big L on <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma. Like, come on. They're probably staying, right? What was it, three days ago you are up here talking (laughs) shit about, yeah, this College Station reporter, he didn't know what he was talking about. Houston Chronicle. God, all over Twitter, all over the podcast, you're just bashing local media, the liberal media, you're just railing against them and their agenda. Known journalist hater, Chase Kitty. I hate small papers, as everyone knows. So we did that episode on, what was it? Sunday I think it was night? a week ago, right? It was or a was week it a ago? week ago? Yeah, I can't even remember now. Was that the ACC? No, that wasn't the ACC episode. It was the one before the ACC. The 10 College Football Questions episode. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. That makes sense. So on Wednesday night, that Wednesday is when that all went down. Wednesday night we got on here. You were saying, guys, this isn't going to happen. Local media is a waste of your money. Don't buy your newspapers. Thursday morning they're gone. <laughs> you went to Twitter, too. That's more, sure, that's more or less what I you, said. Yeah. You pulled the... Oh, glad to see the reports. You pulled out the checks notes, Austin American Statesman. I did. No, I did that, and that's an L. Like, and, and then you and, felt like an asshole and had to clarify below it that you weren't actually bashing local. Well, videos. it was one of those that's things a where so, L. so I got I got a push notification from ESPN about like some report from the Austin American Statesman, 
and I was like, we're, we're doing this now? Like, ESPN's sending me direct notifications about a paper in Austin, and I don't want to get too inside baseball about how newspapers work and everything, but, like, I've worked at small-town newspapers. They're pretty threadbare these days. Like, there's there's not... I don't know anything about the paper, but I know it's in Austin, so it, it probably isn't that big. It's not, like, the paper of record for the state of Texas. I imagined, and I could be wrong, I never looked, I imagined that it probably wasn't a very big staff and that the staff that they did have is on the younger side because the big papers suck up all the talent from these smaller papers. That's just how the media, that's that's how the, the industry works right now. And I fired off that tweet and then I immediately read it and was like, that's a little harsh, dude. <laughs> so I did try to walk it back a little bit because I didn't want to sound like a dick. I just, like when you realize what, ESPN is in the business of, which is literally any story that has any traction in the second half of July and August before college football really gets going. Like let's, let's spread this shit out as long as we can. It really felt like that to me. And then (laughs) it turns out uh, just very, very uh, fortuitous timing for ESPN that a massive story about, uh, about conference realignment breaks. And uh, here we go. Now we're down the rabbit hole. We were just talking about before the show that Big 12 season. We'll get to the Big Ten here in like two minutes. I promise. We were talking about that Big 12 season desist letter, basically saying ESPN don't talk to our our schools, don't talk about our schools, all that kind of stuff. And then we were saying that obviously ESPN had to have been involved in some capacity of these conference adi- or expansion discussions with the SEC the last six months because there has to have been value or some sort of guaranteed to Oklahoma and Texas. If you come here, our media deal is going to go up by X number. I, I am I don't believe that ESPN didn't know about this. It's like ESPN's executives or somebody within that organization knew this was happening for six months, but like their own reporters didn't. That's kind of fascinating to me. And I imagine that like everybody, so we're recording this Wednesday afternoon, evening. So right as we got on to record this, the, the, uh, season desist letter news broke uh, from Pete Thamel. And it was interesting because everybody's re- immediate reaction is using like the dodgeball gif of like bold strategy cotton. Like I imagine that the Big 12 and, and Bullsby and, and whoever's left, they're trying to position themselves inside of a legal framework where they would be able to like fire off a bunch of uh, lost revenue damage kind of claims, whatever, whatever. I'm not a lawyer, but that yet. But that would be what I imagine they're, they're trying to do with this uh, story, having had about two minutes of half paying attention to it to process it. Okay, let's talk about Nebraska. Uh, yeah, let's just, like, fuck the rest of the Big Ten. I just want to give you, like, 14 minutes to talk about Nebraska. They were actually an air horn pick. So if you recall, I did two air horn picks, right? The first one I did was pounding that Nebraska under the six. The second one, if you recall, was your boy... Sebastian Samuelson, biathlon season starts up here in a few months. Get your tickets, kids. Nebraska is at six wins for their win total. Minus 120 in the over, plus 100 on the under. This is something I had mentioned before in one of the air horns. I mentioned this on Twitter before. And I understand that you think I'm obsessed with Nebraska and I would have taken this number even if it was three. And you're probably right here. On Nebraska's schedule this year, one auto win, Fordham. They had Southeast and Louisiana on the schedule, Chase, but they swapped them out in May. Is that so? Is, well, 
Correct me if I'm wrong here. Is Fordham actually an auto win? Am I wrong to just assume that? Is Fordham good? Uh, yeah, Fordham should be a win. Okay. That's, yeah. Even if you give them Fordham, and then Illinois is in the opener. Fordham is, I think, a week later, later in the season. Even if you give them Fordham, Illinois, Buffalo, which I think is a big if, especially on Buffalo. If Lance Leipold had stayed at Buffalo, I'm taking Buffalo in that game. I think the late coaching change makes that a little bit tricky for Buffalo, especially after kind of a weird 18 months. Even if you give them Fordham, Illinois, Buffalo, and I'm going to give them Northwestern and Purdue at home, again, big ifs. That's you five? Need, Am I correct there? That's five. You need two wins from, unless you think they're going to beat Ohio State, unless they're going to beat Wisconsin. You need two wins from Michigan State, Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, from a team that has not shown they can consistently play against mid-level competition. We're giving them Illinois, Buffalo, Northwestern, Purdue, and then presumably probably Michigan State and we'll say Minnesota or Michigan. Show me where seven wins are on this. Like, I can see a push here maybe. I don't know how on earth a team that is this mediocre everywhere, flat out bad in a lot of places, that keeps losing players to transfer, zero offensive consistency. How on earth is this team getting to seven wins with this schedule? Do you think Scott Frost watches Mean Girls with his family and sees the why are you so obsessed with me scene and is like, that's that kid from High Motor? I love Scott Frost. This is a stay away from me, man. I, I I get where you're coming from, but when you start the scenario with I'm gonna give them these five wins. I'm not num- even I'm, the I'm number reaching. Six. That's that no, that's the point. I'm giving them one win. They're gonna beat Fordham. That's it. I think they could go seven and five. I don't think it's crazy. So this is I'm gonna stay I I think they're going to be five and seven, six and six, or seven and five. Like I think they're going to be somewhere right in that zone, and this could easily go over. I mean, maybe not easily, but I could definitely see this going over. Let's so, find some. Let's find some common ground then on yeah. Nebraska. So the Nebraska money line is also posted for the Oklahoma game in Week Three. Oklahoma heavy favorite, but it's only minus one thousand. That number is too low. There is not a chance in hell Nebraska the is only winning this game. I, mean, I get what you're saying. But. I mean, no, this fall, we've talked a lot about this. Like yes. what the Texans were not to make the playoffs, what the Lions were not to make the playoffs. This is parlay fodder. This is not money line fodder. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to look around and see if there's an opportunity for a parlay here. Maybe it's something like, I think Miami is like minus seven or 800 against Michigan State. Michigan State is not winning that game in Miami yet. I don't know like where I can combine this, but... This falls under the same bucket for me as the Texans not making the playoffs. There is not a chance in hell Nebraska goes. I don't even know what the line is for this game. I just saw a thousand on the money line. And I'm more than happy to take that game. Can we agree on that at least for Nebraska? Yeah, I think you could build yourself a nice parlay where you've got Oklahoma winning on the money line, combined with you know four or five other significant favorites, and build yourself something like that. Sure. Well, that's all I wanted to talk about. So, you got anything? Or yeah, you just want to end the podcast here. Just call what it you... Andrew Andrew's hate boner for Nebraska. Uh, I've got what a couple. Got? I I don't uh, that I think it's awesome that Northwestern won the West last year. Really cool. Uh, can we we got to slow down with some of the Pat Fitzgerald hype? All right, this six and a half number is too high. Uh, we're talking about a team that I've mentioned this already. I'll mention it again. They are second to last in all of FBS and returning talent. 
They have to break in a new quarterback. They need new defensive players at every level of the defense. Their defensive coordinator, um, he's he's been in the game for like 51 years. He retired. Breaking in a new DC. Uh, they... <laughs> Even though they won the, this is my favorite, even though they won the West last year, their offense still ranked 110th in FBS in yards per play, and they won the Big Ten West. So this is not exactly a dynamic offense, and they have to break in a new quarterback, and the wide receiver room leaves something to be desired. So we're talking about a team that even when it was good was offensively anemic it's going to be one dimensional this year i do think they have a decent offensive line the left side of it's nice they're going to be able to run the ball in theory but when teams realize that they're one dimensional and they start stacking the box i just don't know i mean they're going to have to win every game 13 to 10 and i feel like some it's not even regression i feel like because that implies that the team is similar to what it was last year and it's just not so it's great that Pat Fitzgerald is a coach we all feel some kind of way about, but I don't think seven and five is in the cards for them this year. I think the under six and a half at even odds is a really strong investment, and that is not quite my favorite pick in the Big Ten this year, but I think a really strong play and one that I will be taking a position on. I mean, it's a pass for me. The biggest reason is they could open six and oh. They have Michigan State, Indiana State, Duke, Ohio, Nebraska, Rutgers. Do I think they'll open 6-0? No. But it's very easy to see. Then I get that stretch where they have, what do they got? Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin. I don't don't think, I think Ohio's better than them. I think something funky could happen with Duke. I'm not convinced they can beat Michigan State at Nebraska. I think that's a win for Nebraska. So I I don't see 6-0 at all. Set an over-under for those first six games. What's the over-under for that? Three and a half? Three. I would take the over on that. Three and a half. Yeah, I think. I just have to win four of those games. And then you're talking yeah. about coming down the stretch at Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, at Wisconsin, Purdue, at Illinois. I think they maybe could get Purdue there. Yeah, but that maybe. raucous crowd at Wrigley Field—you never know for Purdue. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't think they're getting to seven and five, man. I, I don't, I don't see that happening. While we're on, not we're not really on Purdue, but Purdue, I'm taking the under five here. I mean, this defense could be atrocious again. This could be one of the worst units in, well, probably college football, not just P5. They don't really have a quarterback. There's nothing in the quarterback room to suggest that they can figure that out, and they have guys to throw to. It's just they don't have anybody to throw to them. There are too many toss-up games on this schedule. I, I just I don't see how they're going to go. They probably need to go above 500 in those toss-up games to get to six wins i wouldn't mind this number being at five and a half get a little bit more value on the vig but i'm I'm more than happy to take purdue under five i think under is probably the side you want if you want it but that's i think that's a stay away for me just because i think the number's good i think that they'll probably be five and seven so what's your favorite one then you said you have a favorite all right i'm going back to the well on this i pumped it big last year i was correct to pump it i pumped it the year before i was correct to pump it then over seven and a half for your indiana hoosiers And I got to tell you, this number was funky to me right from Jump Street because it seemed to me like the way they made this number, they are positioning themselves to expect an influx of people saying, hey, that was cool, Indiana, but we don't think you can do it again. You got under seven and a half minus 130. 
I assume that's where the plurality of the action is. I, I could look into the numbers a little bit deeper, and, and I'm sure I will before I take this. But looking at Indiana's schedule, I mean, this is it's a nice schedule. I'm going to bring it up here in just a second, maybe. Hey, you want me to jump in with it? <laughs> uh, th- I don't love that they have to go to Iowa week one, but I, I think – they're probably offensively dynamic enough to win that game. And then Cincinnati is going to be, that's going to be a challenging game. Obviously it's in Bloomington. So at least they get to play it at home, but Cincinnati's good and they could lose that game. I'm saying, let's say they lose both of those games. Let's say they go two and two out of the gate, Iowa, Idaho, Cincinnati, Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky is not going to be good this year. The rest of their schedule at Penn state, little dicey, but they get Ohio State at home in a game, I am telling you, put it on the board, Andrew Dowdy, Indiana will win that game. False. Okay. Well, let's add that to the the house house bet podcast list, all right? Because I I want that. Uh, I'm telling you, Michigan State, Ohio State, at Maryland, at Michigan, Rutgers, Minnesota at home, at Purdue, like, they can get to eight wins with that schedule. They can go... Six okay, and three okay, 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 okay. in let's, the Big Ten. Let's. Do you remember your Iowa State take last year? I do. Sure. That's kind of the Iowa of that. State went from this team that, like, people, when they beat Oklahoma in 2017, like, every single person outside of Norman was excited because Matt Campbell was likable. Iowa State was so bad for so long. It was the little guy beating the giant. Like, everybody was so excited about that. And for, like, three years, they were kind of like this trendy, fun team. And then suddenly, which I didn't see until you really mentioned this, Iowa State became overrated. Yep. Like going into last year, the hype was just a little bit too much. Did they match that hype on the field? Maybe, I guess, last year. If they year? didn't, they came close. Like, I want to give them credit. They, 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 they had a good season, obviously. Indiana is, like, halfway to that after one good year. Tell me what Indiana did last year. That is so impressive. And this is not, I agree with you last year. Indiana was like a fairly good team and they have a lot coming back and they could be good this year. But tell me what Indiana did last year by a win. Like aside from like the second half comeback versus Ohio state, which was impressive. And that, that's your argument. Fine. But turns out Penn state sucked beating Rutgers. I don't care. Beating a horrible Michigan team. I don't care. Beating a horrible Michigan State team, I don't care. Holding Maryland to 11 points, yeah, fine. A Maryland offense that exploded sometimes. Winning at a Wisconsin team that couldn't do anything offensively that entire season, I don't care. And the ball game, I don't care about that no matter what. Like, where is is the Indiana love coming from? And I get that, again, Tom Allen is super likable. Sure. But, like, what are we seeing here? Well... First of all, me picking them to beat Ohio State, I think, is more about what Ohio State loses than what Indiana still has. But to go over here, we're talking about going eight and four. I don't need them to go eleven and one. And eight and four with a schedule that has some probable losses on it, but also has some wins on it. Like people forget that there are wins in the Big Ten. Like the the middle class of the Big Ten is pretty meh. So I think they're going to rack up a lot of wins being, uh, I think when you're Indiana, you don't get to be complacent. I think just the way the roster is, the way the school is, those players, the coach, 
Like, I, I just don't think they're going to take a lot of weeks off. Like, you you know, it's it's not like Clemson losing to Pitt, you know? It, it's not one of those things. So I, I expect them to beat the bad teams on their record. They got to get one or two wins against good teams, and they're at 8-4. and four. I haven't even told you the crazy part yet. Now I'm going to tell you the crazy part. That was the crazy part. This By is the way, the- Ohio State uh, in Bloomington, point spread is already out. What do you think it is? 10? 11. Yep. Money Ohio line, State. Money line Ohio State, 300? Uh, I didn't look at the money line. I just saw they were 11-point favorites uh, in Bloomington. All right, what's the crazy part? I'll look at the money line. Indiana to win the Big Ten plus 2,000. No. <laughs> and here's here's why I say that. Because if you if you think they have a chance against Ohio State, the way the math is in the East, Ohio State then needs two losses, or Indiana needs two losses for Ohio State to overcome the head-to-head loss. And I think Indiana probably loses that Penn State game, but if they have the head-to-head over Ohio State, all of a sudden that Big Ten East berth becomes very interesting, and you're starting to look at a scenario that looks more and more like 2014, when Ohio State wins the national championship but doesn't play for a Big Ten title. Can Indiana beat whoever comes out of the West? Absolutely. So I'm not telling you they should be the favorite. I'm not telling you it's definitely going to happen or even that I think it it probably will happen. But at plus 2,000, there's too much possibility for that to happen, and I think that number is way out of proportion with – you know, basically being one good game against Ohio State from really being in the thick of it. Okay, you talked me into just because I do like the argument, and this is this kind of falls like into the same bucket that we mentioned last week and we've done before. Like, come October, whose schedule is setting up to go seven and zero and make like who has the schedule? Even if you aren't that high on the team, who has the schedule to make the playoff? I feel like your argument kind of falls in that bucket. Like, if you think they have a chance against Ohio State, then obviously you think they're good. And Ohio State's the best team on their schedule. If you have a chance against Ohio State, you have a chance against everybody else. Uh, the money line is Ohio State minus 375 plus 290. I also feel like what I told you about the Pac-12 on the 10 college football questions episode, this feels more like something that you want to happen versus that will actually happen. Oh, I don't really care about Indiana. I just It's, it's a handicap for me. I, I don't have any investment in them. I just think they're undervalued and... The, the way I'm reading this number, I could be totally wrong, but the way I read this number is people are looking at it and saying, yeah, I don't think you can do that again. Like, it's cool that you had that, kind of like you said, I, I think it's cool that you had a nice 2020 season. Why don't you do it again and prove me wrong? So I'm not touching any of the Big Ten championship odds. There is one semi-dart throw in the West, Minnesota plus 1,000. Only because I think it's very possible we get another year of mediocrity across the West. I'm very mm. curious what Wisconsin's offense done with uh, offense does with Chris leading the show again. I think it could be one of those six and three teams in the conference that wins the division. I'm I'm extremely worried about the Gophers' defense. It could be a really bad defense again. Obviously, if it's that bad, they're not winning the West. They're not winning six games against that conference schedule. But if you're giving me plus one thousand, I'm just not sure that the gap from Iowa and Wisconsin to them is as big as the odds are showing it is. So I think that's actually not a bad dart throw. I kind of want this number to go up a little bit. I really doubt it's going to move, but I don't think that's a bad number at all. Anything in the West or anything conference championship odds that you like? 
Uh, you know more about Minnesota than me, so I, I just to just to wrap up that thought that you just had. I, I'd say that's that's not a bad handicap. I share your concerns about Wisconsin and, and what they are offensively. Uh, I, I think I I know that that Chris is going to be calling the plays this year, which is a change from last year. So maybe that improves things. But it really felt like they struggled in a way that was pretty un-Wisconsinian. Was yeah, you get me. Uh, in, in a way that was uncharacteristic of what that program generally does last year. So I I'm not sold that nine and a half is a good number there. I think you could you could talk me into the under. Like what have they done to deserve a number that high? You could talk me into the over, based on who is going to beat them on that schedule. Uh, I, I just don't have a good feel. I think for Wisconsin going into this season. So your idea that Minnesota could be undervalued as a as a Big Ten West player, I think, is interesting. I think if I'm taking a Big Ten West bet, besides my Northwestern under six and a half, I actually like, uh, you know, in, in a small kind of way. I'm not unloading the farm on it or anything, but I think over three and a half wins for Illinois could be an interesting position. Uh, and, and I know you are a huge Illinois fan, so you probably already have this circled on your board. But I feel like looking at Illinois, if I can bring up their schedule here, they do have some winnable games here. I mean, okay, I, like who are they going to beat? <laughs> well, look at their schedule. They play UTSA and Charlotte. So those aren't auto wins. UTSA those, is those an are... auto win. No, that's a toss-up game. This Illinois team I disagree. is terrible. I think Charlotte is probably more competitive. I think UTSA, Illinois can These are 50-50 games for them to win. I would be worried if I'm Nebraska. I actually think playing Illinois in Illinois on the road week one, like August oh, 28th. Horrible for Nebraska. Nothing good can come out of that that's game That's tough for Nebraska, for Nebraska man. I, I think that Virginia game... I'm look, Virginia is way better than Illinois, I think, this year. But it's a that's just a weird game. It's a ten AM central time kickoff. Like I don't know what to do with that. I assume UVA is gonna win, but that's funky. And then just like Northwestern at home, like they're they're Rutgers at home. There's probably some wins here. So I do think they could get to four and eight. I, I, I would I think it's ultimately gonna be a pass for me. But I, I do see something there uh, with with the over as well. And I, I feel kind of the same way about the Penn State under. Like, I'm probably not going to play it, but I, I think I lean that way. I, I'd be more likely to take the Illinois over than the Penn State under. That's all I have for the Big Ten. I don't love a lot of these numbers. Like I said, I don't like anything else in the West. I mean, outside of Minnesota, you have Nebraska 1,200, Northwestern 1,600, Purdue 3,000, Illinois 5,000. Wisconsin's minus 115, Iowa plus 185. I don't like anything Big Ten championship odds. Let's, I, think um, a lot of the, I think a lot of the numbers are right on point, so I have a hard time taking a side on it. Um, that's it. For, that's all I have for Big Ten. Let's let's talk about Ohio State for just a minute so that we can say that we did. Uh, the number there is over 11, minus 120, under 11, plus 100. You can get them as a plus 600 national championship position. Don't hate that. Position. I don't love it. <laughs> I so yeah, and I guess that's where I want to start. Is uh, do you have any thoughts on any of that? Plus six hundred is the only thing that I might consider taking, and I haven't done like all of my deep dives on all the national championship contenders yet. I mean, I know generally who people lost, but even though I downplayed your comments the last couple of weeks on, hey guys, look what Alabama lost. 
Look what Clemson lost. Look what Notre Dame lost. Maybe let's just calm down and see if there is another team that could possibly hop up. And Ohio State lost all those players too. Right. I, I, I feel like once I do that, I'll have a better grip on this and see if Ohio State can actually be there. Because like they were there last year. Alabama was just really damn good. I mean, there's an argument that we saw the two best teams in college football history the last two years. So if it was just like a slightly worse Alabama team, Ohio State would have been pretty close to being right there. Is this going to be a better team than Ohio State was last year? I doubt it. But at 600, I don't think that that's the worst play. I I don't, I don't love, know if I'm going to take it right now. Yeah, but. I don't love the plus 600, and I just think the 11 is is – it's it's really high, but do you want to yeah. bet against Ohio State? Uh, I it's think a right tough now, number two because there's a huge difference, as we said. Like a ten and two for Ohio State is a failure of a season. Yes. twelve and zero, you're going to the playoff. Right, that's a big difference there. Eleven and one is right in the and middle. Eleven and one is a push. So you're not playing for the push. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I, I think I think the over is a non-starter. I'm not betting on Ohio State to have their third consecutive undefeated season especially when you look at what they lost last year and i think if you're buying a ticket at this point you're buying it on the back of of thinking that ryan day is a really great head coach which he is so not taking away anything from there but it it just feels like i feel i think they're going to lose a game this this year and i know that's going to take them out of play for the over i don't yet know how that's going to take them out of play for the playoffs i expect we're going to see some losses at the top this year so I, I think Ohio State could be eleven and one and still right there for a potential playoff, um, even if that loss comes in Bloomington, Indiana. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anything else for the Big Ten? Nope. So we're gonna go west for that'll be Monday's episode to the Pac-12. Hit subscribe on your podcast app, Overcast, Apple Podcast, whatever app you're using, automatically downloaded right away on Monday morning. So if you go to work at five a.m. You'll have it ready for you. You know, in case there's anybody in your life that gets up really early to go to work, perhaps at hospital. Before you wake up, it'll be there. Tweet at us, at High Motor Pod on Twitter, with any questions for that Pac-12 preview. Any other previews coming up. Thank you for listening. We are back on Monday.